0: This is the Firearms Trainers Podcast, Season 2, Episode 24, published on February 15th, 2022. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and our topic today is legal training for instructors. Our podcast is part of the Concilicary.com network, brought to you by XS Sites, the best sites in any light and made in the USA with glow dot technology and proprietary photoluminescent materials. This gives you the high contrast option to aid in site acquisition. Multiple color options are available. For your vision preference. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com and learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. We save a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Andrew Branca from the Law of Self-Defense. Welcome, Andrew. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Uh, glad for having me on again. Uh, not a problem at all. Welcome back. This is the second time you're on. The last time was episode two, so it's been uh, quite a while. But again, very pertinent topic where I think you can uh, give a lot of insight for our instructors. But before we jump into that, for those listeners that haven't heard about you before, can you give a little bit about who Andrew Bronca is and what you do with the Law of Self-Defense?
1: Sure. I mean, uh, really, I'm a small town lawyer living in Colorado with a focused expertise on use of force law. So that's all I do. I don't have a generalized criminal defense practice. I don't do DWIs or things like that. Uh, Only use of force law, which means defense of yourself, defense of others, defense of property. And we do that through consulting to other attorneys. So we don't take clients directly, uh, clients meaning people who are facing criminal charges All our clients are other attorneys who are themselves lead counsel representing people who may be facing a criminal charge. That's the legal practice side of our business. The other side of our business is really education, Uh, bringing people um, law-based, actual law on use of force, uh, requirements, legal boundaries, as opposed to the largely nonsense that people learn about self-defense law from the internet or from gun magazines or social media and so forth.
0: Okay. Well, that kind of leads us into our topic for today, and that's talking about law self-defense, your instructor program. Can you give us a little bit about what that's, uh, that's about?
1: Sure. In a nutshell, the instructor program is intended to um, be what a semester-long law school class on use of force law would look like uh, if law schools taught this stuff at this level, which unfortunately they don't. In, in my three years of law school, we spent maybe a few minutes on self-defense law in first-year criminal law. We never talked about it again. Uh, So most lawyers don't really learn this stuff in law school, unfortunately. Uh, They have to learn it out in the real world. And even then, they generally don't have good resources for doing that. So we imagined what a law school semester-long seminar on use of force law would look like, if it was spread over an hour a week, over a 15-week semester, and we designed this law self-defense instructor program to be that. The only exception is we teach it, as we do all our content, in plain English. So, we translate all the legalese into plain English so it's understandable for normal people. And what we're trying to accomplish here, the the ultimate mission, is to bring to firearms and self-defense instructors Essentially, a law school education in use of force law. So, they're able to answer those hypotheticals, to give informed opinions to students in their classes, not to present themselves as lawyers. Uh, Certainly, a course like this does not make you a lawyer. Becoming a lawyer is a lot more work than just one course, but to have a law school education uh, in use of force law that, as far as we know, is not available anywhere
0: else. Mm -hmm. Who do you target this uh, instructor course to? Is is it open to civilians as well as uh, lawyers also?
1: It's really open to anybody who who would like a law school education in this topic. A lot of people take the course who aren't even instructors. They're just people who uh, maybe they're later in life and they've they've always wished they'd had an opportunity to go to law school. And they get a feel of that process through this kind of course. And they have a particular interest in self-defense and use of force law. So a lot of our students are are that. uh, But they're not really the target audience. The target audience is people who want to be able to communicate a Law based understanding of use of force law to others, people who are active instructors. In fact, the first year we launched this, we only took um, very active instructors, people who were running courses on a at least weekly basis, because we had limited bandwidth to get this content out. And we wanted that amplification effect, right? We teach one instructor, they teach a 1,000 students a year this stuff. That was our goal. Uh, but now it's grown large enough that really anyone who's interested uh, can take this course.
0: Mm-hmm. What are some of the topics that you you cover in the, in the course? I mean, you said that it, it's basically a semester long course, but what are what are some of the high level topics that you cover in it? So
1: we cover everything that we cover in our what we call our law self defense core class, or now we call it the advanced class. It's about that's about eight hours of content by itself, and we talk there about um, kind of <clears throat> understanding how laws work in the real world. Uh, We talk about the five elements of self-defense, innocence, imminence, proportionality, avoidance, and reasonableness. We talk about defense of property. We talk about defense of others. We talk um, about interacting with the police in the aftermath of the use of force events. So we cover all that same content in a bit more depth in the instructor program. But the thing that really make the instructor program different is the law school-like components. So we talk about the history of self-defense law. Uh, the legal theory underlying self-defense law. Why is self-defense law essentially the same in all 50 states, right? We have 50 states, they all have their own statutes and court decisions and jury instructions, but the underlying legal principles of self-defense law are the same, largely, 80% uh, among those 50 states. In fact, they're largely the same as, as they were in England before America was an independent nation, because this is very, very old law. It dates back Thousands of years to the ancient Greeks and Romans, and probably before that, because it's based on natural law, law that exists, even if it's not written down by human beings. Even animals defend themselves, right, from attack. Mm -hmm. So self defense is a natural law concept. And it's because of how old and well established it is that we have this common framework for self defense, even though we have 50 different states. Uh, If you look at the self-defense law of Hawaii or Massachusetts or California or Colorado or Texas, it's largely the same black-letter law. Now, it is true that how it's applied can be different. The people making decisions about whether charges should be brought, whether they'll be prosecuted, uh, that's much more a social construct than it is a legal construct. Uh, Prosecutors have tremendous discretion, and we talk about that too. We talk about what you might think of as the the metaphysical components of the use of force legal structure, the things that go beyond what you might read in a statute or court decision or jury instruction, but which if you don't understand, you can't really understand how legal decisions are being made by the criminal justice system in these kinds of cases. So we talk about that broader context as well. We talk about um, the structure of the courts, how do the courts actually work? what How does a criminal trial actually proceed from from the moment a person's arrested, uh, appears before a magistrate, has their initial criminal charges read to them, gives a plea, arranges for bail, the very first steps in that legal process, all the way through ultimate appeals, perhaps even appeals up to the federal courts if there's a issue of constitutional import being disputed. We go through that in trial and process. What makes a trial court? different than an appellate court? What makes the mid-level appellate courts different than the highest level courts in a particular state? What are the implications of that? How do they make decisions? What kind of evidence matters to them? Uh, do their decisions have precedential value over other courts? That all depends on the hierarchy of the court that we're talking about. So uh, when your students in a class or an instructor might ask, well, are there any cases on this? Well, you need to know w- what that means. What is a case? Because your student won't know. To them, all the cases are the same. But they're not. What happens at a trial level uh, is profoundly different than what happens at a mid-level appellate court or state Supreme Court level. So you need to understand that in order to be able to provide informed insight to that student. Uh, We talk about how to read cases. We provide actual case law to the students. Uh, We explain to them the different segments of a appellate court legal decision. It's not just a random document. It has very specific sections. You need to understand what those mean. And we talk about how to brief a case. Brief a case is a a legal phrase of art that basically means distilling a complicated, legalistic, 30 page appellate court decision into basically a single page of what the key legal findings are in that decision. Um, Because until you learn how to distill that and come to the essential findings of that decision, it simply seems overwhelming. Nobody can really understand a 30 page appellate decision unless they know how to distill it down to its essential elements. Um, We talk about Uh, providing guidance on how to instruct this to students. Of course, we're dealing usually with an instructor who himself is not a lawyer or herself is not a lawyer, and they're speaking to people who are not lawyers. And we have particular expertise in this because we've been teaching this to non-lawyers for, well, I'm in my 31st year now of practicing law. We taught thousands and thousands of students this in plain English. So we have very solid guidance on how to do that. Uh, We have a section on Mythbusters. What are the things, the common things that people believe about self-defense law that simply are not true? And we explain why, so that the instructor who graduates in this course can explain why. Uh, We have recommended reading sections. We have lots of other components of the class. So it's it's a very comprehensive document. Now, I will say uh, to receive your certificate at the end of this process, uh, there is a final exam that needs to be passed. And uh, if you don't pass the final exam, You don't get a certificate from the course. That said, we uh, people who do the work, I think our passing rate is 98%, and the 2% that don't pass, um, they pass the second time when they take the the final exam again. But the the reason we have the final exam is we want the public to know and instructors to know uh, that anyone who says they've graduated from this course, has that certificate, knows what they're talking about. Their knowledge is not superficial because we tested them on that knowledge before they got that certificate.
0: That's, that's uh, pretty cool. Um, when you go along and uh, you, you're talking about the course, like I could definitely think about a lot of the different sections in the book that I read um, on law of self-defense, how that, that, that would apply, but it sounds like it goes into a lot more depth than that. Is, would that be a fair fair assumption?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most people can read our book, uh, The Law of Self-Defense, uh, in three or four hours. We, we tried to make it an easy read, and it, it kind of gives you the skeleton of this framework. Uh, but if this were a book, it would be, you know, a thousand pages long and it's hard to believe anybody would get through it. That's why we structured it as we have as an online streamed video course that people can take in sections. In fact, we discourage people in theory, I guess you could do the entire instructor program in a week. Uh, if if you had that kind of, uh, intestinal fortitude. But we don't recommend that. We recommend doing it exactly like you would do a law school class. Do the module one in the first week. It's about an hour of content. Uh, usually most of these modules have assignments at the end, things that you need to do on your own. Um, and then let it let it uh, percolate for a week inside your head. Maybe look at the content two or three times over the course of a week. That's the only way to really get a lasting understanding and mastery of this content. If you burn through it all in a week, You might pass the final exam and get the certificate, but you won't really have a lasting understanding of the concepts. Um, If you take it like a law school class, take it over, uh, I think there's 15 different modules or or maybe 17 different modules. I forget the exact number now. It changes from time to time as we add stuff. Um, But if you take it over that period of time, you're in the best position to have a a true mastery of the content.
0: So what is the estimated length of time that most instructors take to uh, complete the course?
1: Let's see, there's, like I said, there's 15 or 17 modules. Most of them are, I think they average about an hour in length. Some are a little bit shorter, some are a little bit longer. So it's probably, and then there's assignments for most of the modules. So maybe that adds another five or six hours. So you're talking somewhere probably between 20 and 25 hours. So like I say, someone who was aggressive could burn through it in a week if they wanted Mm -hmm. to. uh, But that's not what we would recommend. We would recommend probably taking 12 weeks to work your way through the content.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it would be a, a good investment in, uh, in time to go along and let that percolate in your brain because a lot of these concepts are new to those instructors. And if we're going to be able to go along and properly educate our students, we want to make sure it's percolated in our minds before we try to start uh, spewing it out to our students. And also, I should mention, for
1: the people who go through this program, they get a, a dedicated email address that comes directly to me just for our instructor program students and graduates so as they're going through the content, if something's unclear or they don't understand or they have a question, they'd like to flesh it out, uh, they can email me directly and get a response directly from me.
0: Neat. What other materials do you come away with from the course?
1: Uh, I believe we provide PDFs of all the modules, uh, at least most of the modules we do. There's Like I say, there's assignments that have to be done after the fact, including including representative court opinions that we have the students do a brief of, do that distillation process of, um, uh, but most of the content is digital online streamed. if mm-hmm. if we tried to provide all this content in physical form, just the cost of printing and packaging and shipping those materials, we'd have to charge a lot more for the course.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, let me let me ask you this when it, when you go along and you're taking the course, you pass the course. Are you able to go back and uh, review the course after after the fact? Yeah, we don't have any uh, shutoff period. Okay. Uh, i
1: think I think when people sign up, we tell them, I think we have a period that we cite. It's a maybe it's a year or three years or something like that. But we the program has been active for a decade and we've never cut off anybody's access. So we just put that in there in case, you know, if, God forbid I get hit by a bus. We don't want people to say, well, you promised us an infinite number of years. You know, nothing's infinite. Uh, but it's not our intention to cut anybody off from access to the content mm-hmm. once they're a student.
0: And that's really great because, you know, as, I'm, as things are percolating in my mind, I might go along and say, you know, it really doesn't make a lot of sense right now, this specific point. And if I can go back and take that take that lesson or, and go over it again, that could be a real great way to jog my memory.
1: Sure. And we've had people also who've, you know, they get maybe halfway through the course and something happens. is the death in the family or they lose their job or they get a new job or, or, or whatever, and they have to pause. And sometimes that pause turns into six months or nine months or a year or longer. And then they call us up can they still have access to the program? And the answer is absolutely yes.
0: That's that's really great. One of the questions I know that came to mind, we've had people on from like Force Science and Masada. How does this program work with uh, those? Does it replace them, complement it, or is it the same material?
1: Yeah, I'd say, well, with how can I put it? Uh, so I've taken all those courses. So, I, I mean, I'm in this area of the law because I took Masada Ayyub's Lethal Force Institute course back in 1996. That completely redirected my legal career into this narrow focus on use of force law. And I've had, uh, it might be thousands of students who've taken my course and Mossad's course. The equivalent of that Mossad course now is called MAG40, I believe. Uh, And what they invariably tell me, and that's my own experience as well, is that the Masada Yub coursework and mine is very complementary to each other. Uh, So we cover many of the same legal uh, concepts, of course, it's all use of force law, uh, but from very different perspectives. So, of course, my perspective is as an attorney who is to make and fight against these legal arguments in the context of, of a court or criminal charges pending court. Uh, MASA's perspective is quite different. It's from a career law enforcement officer who might be involved in these cases from that perspective. Uh, valuable information from both. In fact, I urge everybody, if you have not yet taken Masa Yub's course, I urge you to do so. Uh, Mas is, uh, you know, not a spring chicken any more than I am. Nobody teaches forever. And I've certainly had the experience with, I've had instructors I met for years uh, to go take a course from, but then they retired or um, this their time on this mortal coil ended, and uh, I lost the opportunity to do that. So I would certainly encourage people if Moss is in your area or teaching in any way that you can access his content. I certainly would. Uh, Lethal Force Institute is quite different. I've taken their full week course as well. Uh, I'm a graduate of that program. Um, it's a wonderful program. I like it a lot, but it, it it's not really talking about the legal concepts. It's t- talking about kind of physical and mental and psychological dynamics of being in a use of force event and how those might be leveraged in a legal context. But they're not really talking about how courts make decisions or how prosecutors bring charges or uh, what are for example one of the things we talk about in depth in the instructor program that we don't talk about in our normal course is all the criminal charges. We talk about the variety of criminal charges you could face if you're if you're involved in a use of force event, everything from intentional homicide in the first degree all the way down to um uh, aggravated battery, aggravated assault, simple battery, simple assault, brandishing, uh, defensive display—the uh, whole spectrum—and we explain how those uh, criminal charges work, the specific elements that make them up, what needs to be proven or not proven beyond a reasonable doubt in the case of a self-defense justification case. That kind of stuff, uh, Force Science Institute doesn't cover. That's not their area of emphasis. Their area of emphasis is, you know, how long does it take for an officer to draw a gun? Uh, what where does the officer's eyeball tend to track when facing a potential threat? Uh, if an officer's, uh, you know, on one side of a car and the bad guys in the other side of the car, what are the time, distance, movement dynamics around that kind of situation? And what's wonderful about their work is they it's, it tends to be highly quantified. So they they break things down using special software and cameras that follow eye tracking movements, and they measure things to the milliseconds. And uh, so it, it's a it's a much more robust school of study of those dynamics than i'm aware of anybody else coming close to uh, but again they don't really do the legal dynamics part of it
0: okay well that's great um gave us a really good uh, insight on what your course is about but um, i
1: like the i like the four Science Institute course a lot too so if you have the opportunity mm-hmm. to take that i would also urge people to take that i think it's a bit harder to get into i think uh, because i think they do it on a smaller scale Uh, but they seem in the last few years to have kind of opened up the doors a little more than they had in the past. So certainly something worth considering.
0: Definitely. Well, thanks for your uh, time for that. we got one other question for you, uh, Andrew, and I forgot to prep you this before the uh, show, but do you have an influential mentor or somebody that you'd like to name that's been influential in getting you to where you are today? Uh, I've
1: already mentioned that my most influential mentor was certainly Masada Yub, still is. Uh, again, I was just a uh, a young lawyer a few years, I think five or six years out of law school, five years out of law school, five years a member of the bar uh, when I took Lethal Force Institute 1 in 1996, now called MAG-40, and it blew my mind. And I was already an attorney for years, um, but I had never been exposed to anything like what Masayoub teaches in the context of use of force law. Um, And it completely redirected my career to focus uh, explicitly and exclusively on use of force law, again, from a different perspective than Moss takes. I mean, if you take the Moss, of course, uh, he's not going to get into specific state statutes and case law and jury instructions like we do in in my own courses, for example. So it's it's a more, well, it's what you would expect from a lawyer as opposed to from a, a career law enforcement
0: officer. Mm hmm definitely and uh, Moss's uh, mag 40 is definitely worthwhile. I took that last year and it was very enjoyable and also eye-opening from the standpoint of you know how to look at look at uh, cases and how to think about defending yourself. So very good. And last question for Andrew, where can people find more out about you, the law of self-defense and your instructor course?
1: For Law of Self-Defense, generally, you can go to LawOfSelfDefense.com and uh, always find us there and our our variety of uh, product services, uh, memberships that we offer um, are available there. I think if you go to LawOfSelfDefense.com instructors, it'll take you to our instructor program page. Uh, We also have lots of other courses. We have a membership program uh, that really most of the content we produce on a near daily basis, videos, podcasts, blog content. Is mostly available only to our members. Membership is really cheap; it's less than ten dollars a month, uh, and you can try it for free for two weeks and two hundred percent money back guarantee. Although nobody ever asks for their money back, but um, and get instant access, unlimited access to thousands of blog posts, thousands of hours of video and podcast, all plain English explanation of use of force law concepts, how they apply in real world cases like the Written House case or the Zimmerman case, or really any high profile case you can think of. Um, and people can try out our membership again, two weeks for 99 cents, 200% money back guarantee uh, at law of slash trial are really, that's really the best way to get an immediate exposure to the breadth and depth of what we provide to the law of self-defense community.
0: As I know, I've, uh, I referenced your book, your material, your information you've, that I've gathered from you over the last uh, 10 plus years, um, as well as Mossad, uh, and, and, everybody else in the industry. There's a lot of good information for us non-lawyer people. There's always a little nuances that is uh, very beneficial for us to to learn about. So thank yeah, you, Andrew. And, and
1: really, the, I appreciate that. Very kind of you, Rob. And, and really, the reason we set up our, our membership and made it as inexpensive as we could, it's only about a quarter a day or 30 cents a day, is because, folks, really the best way to learn this stuff is not buy my book, read the book once, put it on the shelf, and never think about it again. If that's how you do it, you'll learn a lot from the book but it's very unlikely that information will be actionable for you in the moment when you're facing an actual physical threat. The best way to absorb this content is in small doses over a long period of time, a blog post today, a podcast tomorrow, a video the next day, uh, whatever your own rate of acquisition is for new information. And, And you'll hear the same general legal concepts over and over again, but in the context of different factual situations, because the truth is Self-defense law is not very complicated. There are only those five elements of self-defense, innocence, imminence, proportionality, avoidance, and reasonableness. It's not rocket science. The the black letter of the law is pretty straightforward. What's complicated is the real world. Human beings are complicated. um, And the fact situations of self-defense cases get very complicated. And the best way to learn how to proficiently apply those basic five elements to very complicated uh, factual scenarios is by seeing them applied to a large variety of those factual scenarios. And the best way to do that is through our membership, through regular exposure to our content, plain English analysis, explanation about how these contents apply to real people in real use of force cases, real trials, real charges out in the real world.
0: Yes, can't agree with you more, Andrew. But thank you, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on again. In the near Sounds future. great, Rob. That's a wrap for this episode. i announce this week's podcast prize giveaway. This week's winner is Dion D, and they want a legal boundaries by state book. Remember, entries do not carry over from week to week, so visit podcast.concealcarry.com to enter in for this week's prize giveaway. Visit our sponsors, Specialty Farms Trainers Association, at FTAProtect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. Subscribe to our podcast and also share it with your friends. You can also search all our podcasts on our website at firearmtrainerpodcast.com. Do you have a suggestion for a new topic, a future guest, or just want to say hi? Email me at ftp at com. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone.